part three of our series on Dean Coral, we'll take a look at the storm that followed the four-month calm that Dean had in early 1973, including an eight-victim killing spree. We'll discuss the distance that Wayne and David tried to put between themselves and Dean, the incident that brought this story to an end, and what happened to Wayne and David. Oh yeah, and there's still the shitty cops and Dean's mother, Mary West. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought Dean Coral was a friend of SpongeBob's from Bikini Bottom, stick around. Because unlike a coral reef, this coral deserves to be an endangered species. This is Necronomapod. Hey? Mama. It is. It's Wayne. Yes, this is Mama, baby. Mama? Yeah. I killed Dean. Wayne? Ma'am? Oh, what are you doing? Yeah, yes. Oh, God. Where are you? Um, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Where are you? I'm, I'm out of his warehouse. Where? Out of that warehouse, he keeps. Can I come out there? Yeah, yes. Yeah. No. Is that where I'm parked? You can't. No, you can't come. This has been three weeks. Not the most fun three weeks. It's been long. I've done more funner things. <laughs> um, it's an interesting story. I think we talked about it last week. We've had we had requests for this. I don't know what sick fucks are requesting this one, but yeah, and I'm the one that picked this because of Ethan Hawke. You had to do a book. <laughs> yeah. Just the torture aspect just. Takes it to a whole new level. That it's and the fact that it's, it's sickening, it's, you know, minors and stuff yeah. and roping them in. Did you work any more on your uh, Candyman album, Dave, that you want to go <laughs> I did <or> not. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you said that off air or on air. You can, yeah, it was on air. Oh, okay. It'd be highly offensive, but yeah, just, probably just know that if I had written some Candyman uh, parody <laughs> songs, it'd have been so good. It would have been awesome. You all have been laughing your ass off right now <laughs> if you would have done it, but he didn't do it. So. Some in good time. taste. It's in good taste not to do it. Some other time. I will say with this book, um, I had to take breaks from it when I read it. <laughs> I'm sure you did. Yeah. Because my son is right in that age range of this stuff. Mm. And it's like. It hits you, home. You can't even imagine. Mm-mm. I know I said it last week too. I'm a 240 pound man. Mm-hmm. And this stuff would. 250 after a trip to Culver's. Yeah, I'm on my way there. <laughs> Closer to 250 than that. Like getting killed, getting killed is one thing, but when you throw in just extended, prolonged torture like that, it's unimaginable. Sure, just yeah, and the the and the type of torture is so bad. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. With like with you know my size and age, it's like we're having a glass tube put in my urethra and snapped off. I would be like yeah. in the hospital. I was just going to say, it doesn't matter how old you are, how big yeah. you are. Yeah. When that happens, like you're a broken person. You're talking about a child. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a few weeks. It's been a rough few weeks. I hope we're doing something fun next week. I don't know. What are we doing? I don't know. I don't remember what the schedule was. Poltergeist, I think. So that's a lot oh, that's of right. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do like a, uh, you moved the headstones, but you <laughs> left the bodies. <laughs> We're going to do a few like short poltergeist slash ghost stories, right? We're going to do yeah. like, like a, like a best of like ones that aren't big enough to their own show. That'll yeah. be fun. That'll be a good time. Good. We need something. Like yeah. That. Heavy stuff. You're drinking Powerade, Dave and a Gatorade zero. So what's your fucking problem? I'm just pick, pick a brand pal. Are you not brand loyal? He's buying whatever's on sale at Costco. <laughs> I like both of them. Sometimes I want a Powerade. Sometimes I want a Gatorade. And they're both orange. They're they always t- orange, though. Do they taste similar? Or do they actually have a distinction? Uh, they're a little different, yeah. Which would you prefer? Uh, I think I like the Gatorade better. Okay. Yeah. Powerade fell off, I think. Like, it got, I don't know, when I was a kid, like I remember like it became like a huge thing. I don't know, kind of trailed off. I only get orange, though. For an, uh, any like Always. sport drink? Yes. Interesting. That's all I like. Orange is very good. Did you ever yeah. try the Aldi one? What's the Aldi one called? That 
Thunder, the the Aldi version of Gatorade. No, no, absolutely. It's it. It honest to, for me tastes exactly like Gatorade. I really? Think. Yeah. They only made like the 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 lemon lime orange and fruit punch. I've had the Aldi Red Bull version and some Red Thunder bombs That's before. What it is, Red, Thunder. Red Thunder. Yeah. That's similar enough. Yeah. I mean, if it's in a Jaeger bomb, who fucking cares? Right. Our mutual friend. <laughs> He had those shot glass, those That's glasses right. with the shot glass inside. That's right. Jaeger shot glasses or Jaeger shot within a glass. Glasses. Yeah. 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 Like it was like a little, almost like a rocks glass type mm-hmm. with like a little shot glass built into the middle. And you would put the Jaeger in the mm-hmm. middle and the Red Bull along the sides. Right. And then yeah. just kind of you'd sip it and it would pour into your mouth kind of equally. Yeah. You could shoot it or sip it. Yeah. Yeah. All, guys, all guys that love Harry Beavers have glasses like that at home. <laughs> all, every single one. <laughs> Comes with the territory. Back in college, I drank <laughs> a ton of Jaeger bombs. I didn't have those glasses. So, you know, I'm not trying to say anything about my beaver selection. Yeah, Harry Beef hasn't been in the studio uh, very often lately. I'm glad he's back, though. Yeah, it's been a while. What's up, Good Beef? To see you. Good to see you, Beef. He's opening up a beer over there. <laughs> fucking hanging out, I guess. I uh, Declan, I, Declan's going to blow him later. So deal well, it, deal I hope made so. with his <laughs> appearance today. Part of the job description. Declan does very little work. Uh, typical millennial. Um so I drank a ton of Jaeger bombs in college, like, and would like make big mixed drinks out of them, like sip them. Well, I don't know why. I always just shoot them. Well, it's much better that way. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why we did it that way. Mm. It is what it is. I don't know. Stupid, but I can't even stomach that shit. No, anymore. now it's, it's, that's what my whole point was now. Like just the thought of it, yeah. I start getting like that taste in my mouth and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to drink it all the time. I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Those are like my downfall. Anytime Jaeger bombs get involved, it's like that's <laughs> that's it for you. Yeah, those are it's like, like fireball. See, t- see you tomorrow, nights. Ian. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm gonna be time traveling to, to tomorrow. <laughs> well, I did sit there that one night and watch you do eight shots of fireball. They were mini shots, but shots nonetheless, nonetheless of fireball, and you just crushed them like it was nothing. And I was like, oh man, this guy means business. Oh yeah, I just went right down the line. You literally did. Nice. I tried to get you to do it with me. No, I was smart. <laughs> and I said, no. First of all, I hate fireball. It's not good. Second of all, that's I'm not horrible. doing that. No, don't like that. <laughs> that's that's what I said. Hey, Ian's like, hey, Mike, you want to do these shots with me? No, don't like that. <laughs> so, all right. Any hoodles. Part three. Let's wrap this bitch up. It, hey, spoiler. It doesn't get better. No, there's no good outcome in this story. Yeah. How's that to lift your mood? <laughs> Where we left off on part two, on March 7th, 1973, Dean moved one last time to a house owned by his father at 2020 Lamar Drive in Pasadena, Texas. And there were also some hints that Wayne and David Brooks were starting to pull away from Dean. Dean had taken a break from killing, most likely because of the fluid in his testicles he had to get surgery for. So that might also be the reason for such a significant ramp up in the murders. Starting on June 4th, 1973 through August 3rd, 1973, Dean murdered eight boys with the help of Wayne and David Brooks. 60 day time period. Yeah. The first three David Brooks was involved for. And when we're going to talk about them pulling away a bit, David Brooks was not involved in the last five. Okay. According to Wayne, Dean was not acting like his normal self. Wayne said that Dean would make these twitching movements, chain smoke cigarettes, which Dean never smoked or drank, and would demand a victim saying, quote, I need a new boy. So is this, I think we touched on this a bit last week. Is this almost again like that cult-like behavior where like they kind of become an addict and it's it's almost their downfall? Like the Jim Jones and, you know, being incoherent. And I think you could make the argument too that a lot of serial killers have this ramp up period at the very end 
where like it a, seems like it goes out of control. Yeah, like yeah. a frenzy. They got to get in as much as they can. Like an addiction that gets out of hand. But I just mean the addiction in like, you know, if he's twitching, like, is he actually getting on drugs here? Because he has like this power of like, I'll just tell these boys to bring me a new victim and then they will. And then he's dabbling into alcohol and cigarettes and things that he never typically did. Maybe. And spiraling from there as we've seen cult leaders do. I don't know. I'm just. I don't know. Just being pop-up video over here with my little <laughs> comments. Going through these last victims, um, June 4th, 15-year-old William Lawrence. June 15th, 20-year-old Raymond Blackburn. July 7th, 15-year-old Homer Garcia. July 12th, 17-year-old John Sellers. July 19th, 15-year-old Michael Balch. July 25th, 18-year-old Marty Jones. July 25th, 17-year-old Charles Cobble. August 3rd, 13-year-old James Dramala. The June 4th murder of William Lawrence is a little bit different. One, we know that Dean kept William, who went by Billy, alive for at least three days. I can't imagine the hell that this kid went through for three days. But we also have a letter that Billy was forced to write to his dad. Remember, we said that Dean forced these kids to write letters home so that no one would look for them. Of course, because the cops were like, oh, we got a letter. Case closed. Mm -hmm. uh, this one read, quote, Dear Daddy, I have decided to go to Austin because I have a good job offer. I'm sorry that I decided to leave, but I had to go. P.S. I will be back in late August. Hope you understand, but I had to go. Daddy, I hope you know I love you. Your son, Billy. 15. And there's some other ones that get brought up in um, The Man with the Candy. There's one where the parents realized that something was off. The kid said that he was he got a job loading and unloading trucks across Texas and that he would be home in the following year. And the dad was a trucker. And when he got home, his wife showed it to him like our kid, you know, he, he took off, but he says he's got a job. And says like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. No one hires a unloader and a loader. You pull the truck in and there's someone there to unload it. And yeah. there's someone to load it. Like he's like, so this is obvious bullshit. Mm took it to the police and they told me to get lost yeah but there were a lot of parents that got these letters They're like that doesn't sound right oh just thinking about the kid as he's making them write these letters yeah it's gut-wrenching like we talked about last week during dean's break wayne tried to distance himself by joining the navy but he was turned away for dropping out of school when asked why he didn't just run away or go to the police wayne said that he feared dean would kill one of his brothers which I don't know how true that is. Wayne played a physical role in a lot of these murders. Like he physically strangled some of these kids with his hands. Um, and he did not seem to have an issue with it. On the other hand, David Brooks completely pulled away during this string of summer murders. David had found himself a girlfriend. She got pregnant and then they got married. And the two of them got an apartment outside of the Heights. So David Brooks was completely out of the picture. And Dean must have just thought that either David would be back eventually or would always be too scared to tell anyone what was going on. So David's just like, well, it was kind of a weird phase in my life. Uh, I'm moving on. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm Put out. all that behind me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Fresh start. Yeah. A new me. Fresh start, David. Yeah. He like walks out like in like the sunshine. He's like, <sighs> this is the first day of the rest of my life. <laughs> oh my God. Along with those addict type behaviors that Dean was showing with all the twitching, people outside of Wayne and David Brooks could see something was wrong. In part one, we talked about Dean having a girlfriend for five years named Betty Hawkins. Betty Hawkins is on that level of denial, right with Dean's mother, Mary. In the five years that the two of them dated, Dean only tried to have sex with her once and stopped before they even started saying he wasn't in the mood. <laughs> Look, dollface, we've been dating for five years and we haven't <laughs> fucked yet, but kind of sleepy tonight, okay? Maybe another time. If that man's balls aren't each like a gallon size, then you know something else is going on, right? Blue balls yes. is real, Dave. <laughs> when the two of them went on dates... Dean would usually show up with a group of boys or David Brooks and Wayne. Betty said that she never found it weird. She just thought it was sweet. And Dean was so nice to all these boys. Betty herself was a divorced single mother of two boys. So she thought Dean was just the perfect guy. 
He must have had a hell of a personality, right? Like, didn't we talk about in part one? Was he like a charismatic guy? He wasn't really. He was just the guy that gave candy out and was nice to all the boys. Yeah. Nice to all the kids, specifically boys. (laughs) Mm. Worked for her, I guess. Good for you, buddy. And she stuck around for a while defending Dean. So Mm. who was she banging on the side for five years? She had to have been, right? You can't sit there with your head in the sand for that long. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure we're going to find out. Is Betty still around? Can we get Unless her? she was doing what girls mm-hmm. typically do when they're single and just like rub their lips until they <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> you know what they do? Probably. I'd imagine. Anyways. <laughs> but it, it would be weird, though, after a while, right? Like you're trying to go on a date with someone and they're always rolling in with all these kids. Yeah. I feel like a normal person would be like, all right, can we get some alone time? Yeah. Oh, hi, David. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they go to the drive-in. I guess there's a, dinner, a table for four tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you go to a drive-in, like you're getting ready to like kiss him or like, you know, in the old, you know, sucky suck. They pop up in the back. He's like, hey, what's going on? We can get some popcorn. What's, what movie are we see in the night? She just like rolls her eyes. Coral reservation for eight. Coral for eight. <laughs> Seinfeld four. Regarding Dean's behavior, Betty said that Dean was on his way out of Texas. At the end of August 1973, Dean was planning to move to Colorado to live with his mother, Mary. Betty said that Dean had picked up drinking whiskey, um, which Dean never drank. And she said that he was, quote, a man with something on his mind. Betty wanted to go with Dean to Colorado, but he told her the timing wasn't right. Once he got out there and got everything settled, he would let her know when to come. Also, very interesting detail about this is that according to Betty Hawkins, Dean said, whatever you do, don't tell David Brooks where I went when I go to Colorado. Hmm. Not sure if that's maybe Betty making something up after the fact of all the news coming out, you know, with what happened here. I don't know. But according to her, I wonder what that was about. Yeah. He's trying to cut ties and maybe he was planning on taking uh, Wayne with him and that would just leave David as, I don't know, the eyewitness, the one that could put him away. I assume he would kill David before if he was planning that, though. Yeah. Or is it, you know. Your arrogance so big at this point that you're just like, nah, I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, that kid will never say anything. Just yeah. don't tell him where I'm at. I'm done with yeah, him. Just move on. Yeah. If David's already distancing himself, then you go your way. I'm going to go my way. And that's it. Yeah, David was doing the new world, new me thing. So he was, yeah. uh, he was having a family. It's good. Come on. <laughs> Put all that behind them. People at the electric company where Dean worked noticed a change as well. One of his coworkers asked Dean why he was moving back to Colorado and Dean yelled, quote, I can't talk about it. I'll handle it. And the coworker recalled, you know, when he was being interviewed by Jack Olson, recalled thinking like, all right, man, I was just asking you a question, just trying to be friendly. Small talk, dickhead. I don't give a fuck what you're doing. Like he screamed that and then like ran, like stormed out of the room. (laughs) (laughs) On the night of August 7th, 1973, Wayne invited 19 year old, Timothy Curley to go over to Dean's for a party. According to Wayne, Timothy was not supposed to be a victim, but the two of them got to Dean's where they huffed paint and drank beers until about midnight. At that point, they left Dean's and drove back to the Heights where Timothy parked his car right outside Wayne's house. I wonder how that decision is made. Like who makes the cut? Like you just get to party tonight, but not, we're not going to kill you. Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, there was a story that in David Brooks's confession that he that he told about one that was more on the older side, like 17, 18, was a friend of David Brooks. And David Brooks got kind of feeling guilty that this kid was going to be a victim. So he's like, hey, man, let's get out of here and, and head back. Yeah. And this kid was like, no, nah, man, I'm partying. I'm drinking and stuff. I'm not going anywhere. And Brooks is like, but we should really go, man. Uh, it's like, nah, man, I'm going to stay here and drink. Yeah. So I'm going to assume he did not make it. I uh, know he was a victim. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, he was a victim. <laughs> when they got out of the car, the two of them heard a bunch of fighting. Out of a house stumbled 15-year-old Rhonda Williams, who had just been beaten by her drunk father. Wayne said to Rhonda, hey, we're going to go back to Dean's to party some more. Um, instead of running away, which Rhonda said that's what 
what she was doing. She was on her way out of Texas. So instead of running away, just come with us. Rhonda accepted, and the three of them headed back to Dean's. Uh, fun fact, guaranteed not a coincidence, Rhonda Williams was the girlfriend of Frank Aguirre, who was the first victim that Wayne brought to Dean. Uh, Wayne also had a big crush on Rhonda, so it's a lot of speculation oh, that Frank was brought there interesting. on purpose. That's mm. like uh, King David in the Bible when he was banging that guy's wife, and he wanted to marry her, so he just sent him up to the front lines in battle and got him killed, and then he married his wife. Who fucking needs them? <laughs> All right. Put them up there with Waynes and Keiths. Ugh. At 3 a.m., Wayne, Timothy, and Rhonda showed up at Dean's. As soon as Dean saw Rhonda, he almost let his anger burst out in front of everyone. But he pulled Wayne into another room and yelled at him, quote, You weren't supposed to bring a goddamn girl. You've ruined everything. Wayne told Dean that Rhonda was running away, and he was really sorry that he brought her with him. Dean started to calm down and went back out to the living room where he brought out beer and spray paint to huff. After about two hours of huffing paint and drinking, all three of them passed out. How do these guys even have any brain cells left after all this paint huffing? There's a lot of paint huffing going on. The, the few oh, cells man. they had to begin with, right? Yeah. Well, this guy had 126 IQ, right? Yeah, Wayne was, that, was pretty smart. Wayne? Yeah. Wayne had the 126? Down to 80 with all these, this paint huffing. The only reason that Wayne Henley's life went off the tracks really was the fact that he had to get part-time jobs to help his mother pay bills. He was really doing well in school mm. before the, you know, before that happened. Cause the same year that he dropped out was the same year he met Dean. Yeah. So shit kind of went off the rails for him real quick. Shit's popping off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plus he seemed to like to strangle young boys. So. He definitely also did. <laughs> What's it like to do a paint huff? Got me in that. I one, never man. huffed. You guys paint. never did a paint huff? No, Absolutely not. Okay. Never did a paint. Never did a glue huff either. I've never huffed in my life anything. <laughs> I'd like to do a huff. I've one done day. whippets. I don't know if that's yeah, close. Yeah, I've done whippets. For sure. I want to do a huff one day. I mean, you can do that anytime, really. You can just grab a can of spray yeah. paint. You want me to run to the garage real quick? We can, we <laughs> can make that happen in 30 seconds. We'll do it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. I'll huff it. I'll do it myself. Fuck it. Fucking thing sucks. <laughs> you probably just get high for like a second and get a big fucking headache afterwards. Yeah, I don't need that. No, no, that sounds awful. Why? Kids are stupid. It's cheap. What would you say? Whippets? Like, did you get a good high out of that? Or no, it like, it's horrible. Yeah. It's a yeah. big head rush to your brain real quick for <laughs> like 15 seconds. Like a piece you of feel shit. like your head's going to explode. It's horrible. I don't know why people like it. Do people like it or is it just dumb kids trying it once and be like, oh, yeah, fuck know. this. I mean, back in, you know, olden times, <laughs> the 80s, olden <laughs> times to like it. <laughs> Before you just, you know, get on YouTube and, you know, get addicted to just watching videos nonstop. Yeah. Just do whippets. People can get addicted to huffing stuff like the computer duster. I've seen episodes of yeah. that uh, intervention show on A&E like where the they have to like sit. That blows the, the yeah. Where they have to like sit down with somebody and give them an intervention because they huff that shit. Just put it right up to their mouth and oh my God. huff it. All right. But a lot of that going on in Texas. A lot of huffing paint. Wayne woke up lying on his stomach to Dean clicking handcuffs on his wrists. Wayne's ankles were already bound with nylon rope and he had duct tape over his mouth. And as he looked around, he realized that Dean was in the process of getting ready to torture and kill them. There was plastic tarp covering the floor. Timothy was completely naked and bound, and Rondo was bound but left fully clothed. When Dean realized that Wayne was awake, he pulled the duct tape off and told Wayne, quote, Man, you blew it bringing that girl. I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun. At that point, Dean picked Wayne up, dragged him to the kitchen, and put a 22 against Wayne's stomach and said that this was it. Wayne started pleading for his life, and he told Dean that he was sorry about Rhonda, that he would kill Rhonda himself so Dean didn't have to worry about it, and then he would dispose of the bodies of both Rhonda and Timothy. Dean agreed, and Timothy was strapped to the torture board on his stomach, and on the other side of the board, Rhonda was strapped with her back against the board. That, that's horror movie shit. Absolutely. For Wayne, like you wake up and you're already yeah. you see, tied you're, up. 
three other or two other people just all tied up. He was already supposed to be the victim the first time. Yeah. All for bringing a girl. Yeah. Wayne Dean did not like females. No, he did not. Dean handed Wayne a hunting knife and told him to cut off Rhonda's clothes. Wayne listened and started cutting off her clothes while Dean undressed and started to rape and torture Timothy. Timothy had fully woken up at this point and was screaming through his gag and Rhonda was just starting to wake up. Rhonda raised her head and asked Wayne, uh, quote, is this for real? To which Wayne said yes. And then Rhonda asked him if he was going to do anything to help them. Wayne then asked Dean if he could take Rhonda into another room, but Dean ignored him and kept torturing Timothy. Wayne grabbed the 22 that Dean had put into his stomach off the bed and pointed it at Dean and said, quote, you've gone far enough, Dean. I can't go on any longer. I can't have you kill all my friends. Six or seven or eight of them was fine. This is a bridge too far. <laughs> hey, pal, you've crossed the line. <laughs> Dean walked toward Wayne and said, what are you going to do? Kill me. Wayne took a couple steps back. And as Dean said, you won't really do it. Go ahead and shoot. Wayne pulled the trigger and either Dean has a really thick skull or this 22 was just garbage because Wayne shot him in the forehead and the bullet didn't fully penetrate Dean's head. We've had a couple different stories where 22, 22 headshots, if I believe, didn't kill people. Screen door intruder, I believe, shot someone in the head with a 22. Yeah. And he survived. So like the bullet just sticking half in his head. That's the way it's described. Like it didn't fully go in. Crazy. Oh, man. So Wayne shot two more times, hitting Dean in the left shoulder. At that point, Dean turned to run away, but Wayne shot him three more times in the back. Dean made it into the hallway outside the room, hit against one of the walls, and slid down it, dying on the floor naked with his face up against the wall. Can be posting that uh, on Instagram? The picture's out there. Yeah. Is it really? Oh, yeah. At 8.24 a.m., Wayne called the police and said, quote, Y'all better come here right now. I just killed a man. Wayne, Rhonda, and Timothy sat on the front porch waiting for the police, where Wayne said to Timothy, quote, if he wasn't my friend, I could have gotten $200 for you. Which Timothy's like, the fuck, man? Jesus, what, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> right. What do you want me to say? Thank you. you? Yeah. And Timothy grabs a gun and puts one in Wayne's head. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then calls police and said, I just killed a man. Get down here quicker. <laughs> About 30 minutes later, the police showed up and Wayne said that he was the one that shot and killed Dean. Wayne was read his rights. And when the officer was done, Wayne replied, quote, I don't care who knows about it. I have to get it off my chest. Wayne could have probably gotten away with this whole thing based on the Houston Police Department's record. They probably would have just taken Wayne's word for it. That he just killed this guy that was trying yeah. to attack them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were victims. Yeah, Wayne could have walked away from this easy. I Absolutely. Think. I don't know whether it was guilt or being a stupid criminal or what, but Wayne confessed. But he did the same shit that Dean did at first. Wayne told them he and David Brooks were luring boys to Dean, but Dean was just selling them into a sex ring based out of Dallas, Texas. Which, again, it's like that's not any better. Like, that's not the that shouldn't be the excuse. <laughs> Eventually, Wayne just admitted to everything and told the police that the bodies were buried at Dean's boat shed, some at High Island Beach and some at Lake Sam Rayburn. When David Brooks's father heard the news about Dean being killed and links to all these disappearing kids, David's father took him to the police and said, if you know anything, you need to tell the police so his families can find their sons. And David confessed to everything. But he was adamant that he never participated in any of the murders. He lured the boys to Dean and he was in the room when murders happened, but he never physically killed someone. Wayne said the same, that David never physically participated in any of the murders. With the confessions, the search for bodies began. However, the Houston Police Department weren't going to be the ones searching. Well, why would they? Got <laughs> to get to the bar. Yeah. You don't expect them to get their, you know, hands dirty on this. Instead, they got people in jail serving time for things like DUIs or possession of weed to do the digging. They said, hey, you're going to come out here and dig and we'll take some time off your sentences. 
this is fucking ridiculous on so many levels. Can you believe that shit? It's nuts. And there's it pictures really, of it. I put it in my Insta story a couple weeks ago. It really is crazy. It's the 70s, but it's not the Stone Ages. Like, <laughs> right. there's there's forensics. There's crime it, labs at that time and stuff. Yeah. Procedures on how to investigate a crime scene. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous contaminating of a crime scene. John Wayne Gacy got caught five years later in 1978, but not too much had really changed regarding forensics in that amount of time. The Chicago Police Department had a meticulous operation set up to get bodies out of Gacy's crawl space, and Gacy killed more kids, provable kids, than Dean Coral did. Yeah. But Houston police just like, fuck it, here's some basic shovels. Hey, you know what? Chicago PD, kudos. Well done. Yeah, they had a whole operation going there for a little while. Good yeah. for them. I'm sure they also probably, I don't remember the story as uh, well as I should, per usual. But I'm sure they didn't ignore tips as much either. Or, you know, simply running a license plate. No, there was none of, none, none of that really Things going on the there. Such. Yeah, it's a good point, Mike. Yeah, so they just gave these guys that were serving time for DUIs, things like that, basic shovels and some bandanas to put over their face for the smell and just get in there and start digging. You can see the pictures of this shed online. It's probably about as big as this room. Mm. It's a steel shed and it's Texas heat digging in there. And you're not even a fucking cop. You're forced to dig because you're an inmate. It's like a bad chain gang sort of situation, you know? Yeah, you're just like breaking rocks, you know? But a really fucked up one that you shouldn't be a part of at all. Yeah, I would say no. I'll uh, don't shorten my sentence. I'll stay in here and not have to do that slave labor and suffer in that heat. Was it a voluntary, possibly, when you offer to shave well, off their sentence? That's what maybe? I mean. Like if they offer to shave it off, I yeah. just thought maybe you could be like, no, you know, get fucked. I'll go sit in the hole for twenty four hours. Yeah, or was it compulsory? Like they're like, get out there, motherfucker. It was that's quote volunteer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's a quote unquote yeah. volunteer with a nightstick in your the back of your yeah, leg. Right. You're not Andy Dufresne drinking beers on top of a roof <laughs> after you know. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, irritability, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feel burned out, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. When I get burned out, my stress level skyrockets. This usually causes me to have crippling anxiety, which then prevents me from getting anything done. I often have to take time to stop, remind myself to breathe, and just relax. Talking with someone about how you're feeling can also help you out, more than you probably realize. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. So whether life currently has you down, you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain in our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Inside the boat shed before the digging started, the police found a stolen half-stripped car, a kid's bike, a large metal drum, water bottles like big um like gallon size two big bags of lime and a big garbage bag full of teenage boys clothing instead of cataloging this stuff right away the police just threw it outside the shed and let it all sit in the sun and had the inmates start digging not long after they started digging they had a layer of lime and underneath they pulled out the first victim as they continued they just kept pulling out more and more bodies Like we said last week, some victims were shot, some were strangled, 
the ones who were strangled still had the ligature around their necks and most of their faces were frozen in like this screaming kind of terrified expression it's like our buried alive episode almost yeah screaming terrified expression dave with some hair pulled out that was really scary and terrifying oh thank you dave imagine tonight when you wake up and you suddenly just can't move and can't like sit your head up your breathing gets rapid no that's not gonna happen I just want to <laughs> just like Jack told Rose, I'm going to die an old man warm in my bed or whatever the quote was. Well, yeah, that's what's going to happen. You're an old man who's going to die in your bed, but you're going to be suffering thinking about being buried alive and terrifying dreams. No, no, no. Tonight. Negative. Mm-hmm. Don't panic, though, because you're just going to make it worse. You got to sky for real. Control your breathing. I have nightmares of that mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, most women are dreaming about this one mm-hmm. so the, or something like that. That's what I tell myself. So the police, you know, on top of having inmates do the digging and basically all the crime scene work on this. <laughs> like the, the inmates are dusting for fingerprints. The guy's like, I simply, I made a mistake. I had three beers and I drove a car. Why am I now digging for right. dead bodies? <laughs> The police just allowed the media to talk to Wayne. Like, really weird. They brought him out there to show where bodies were, right. things like that. And they, yeah, they just he left. He was just standing he there? He was just standing there in handcuffs, and the, the media was talking to him. Wayne's joking around with the officers and stuff. He, it, It's like a lot of these guys, when we talk about, like, Bundy with defending himself, it's like, oh, yeah. this is my time to shine now. That's exactly what Wayne did here. Is there video of any of the TV interviews? It's some audio. Is there? Mm -hmm. Mm. You can hear him um, talk to his mom on the phone pretty early on. Like, because there were reporters there that first night. Like, from the get-go, they allowed the media way too close to this. I don't know why. Sounds like it. Yeah. But there's a recording of him calling his mom and him saying, I killed Dean, and she's super upset. So these police or JonBenet police crime scene? This you were going to die, is, and one of the departments had to investigate your death. Which one you picking? I would pick John Benet because they were actually trying. They just made a lot of weird mistakes. This was I, like, ah, oh, we don't even care. Yeah, I agree with that. That's fair. Yeah, it's the correct answer, Ian. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there may have been some uh, incompetence in Boulder with John Benet, but not certainly was not like this but you want, deliberate malfeasance yeah. and well in all fairness she, she was a well-off white girl too uh you can make that point sure yeah. but but they at least they did show up and they did their own moving of her body from the crime scene to under the christmas tree yeah they didn't bring and some then, randos from fucking county jail to do it no the randoms in the house just brought donuts and coffee <laughs> and, stuff and cleaned up the uh <clears throat> the bowl of milk and what was it fucking uh pineapple, pineapple. pineapple. And then covered it with a Colorado avalanche blanket or a sweatshirt. I digress. <laughs> okay, we started. And the conditions were terrible. The way that Jack Olson describes it, it's like after a while, because this is a boat shed and there, there was some water nearby, like it got muddy and there's just all these bodies running together and it smells terrible. I, I just can't imagine forcing an inmate to be in there and doing that. No, yeah. that's like that's it. That's illegal, right? I mean, you can't do Not that. Not in Texas, apparently. Well, yeah, yeah. But. <laughs> no holds barred down there. I think we got to that in part one. They're their own, you know country down there and it's not like we're talking about prison inmates we're talking local jail inmates yeah, who got busted with a DUIs and a joint. Drive. Yeah, this is going down like, like to the drunk crazy. tank and yes, grabbing people. Yes, like now you're going to dig up some dead bodies today. Yeah, in 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 a what you said, like the steel or the metal shed, it's going to be 150 degrees inside that thing. There's there's tons of pictures from that day. Cause like said, they let the media get super close. It looks hot as fuck and everybody looks miserable, but it's crazy. The police are just all standing around, like Mm. just looking at all these guys digging. Have you ever seen a picture of Texas that didn't just look hot as fuck? Every photo just looks hot as fuck. It is. (laughs) I know. 
So by August 13th, police had unearthed 17 boys from the boat shed and bodies from the beach areas, making the total 28 victims, which made it the highest total victim number of a serial killer at that time in the U.S. Coincidentally, on the same day, the record for victims was broken. All searching for further victims stopped, even though Wayne was adamant that there were at least two more bodies in the boat shed And there were a total of 42 boys who went missing from the area between 1970 and 1973, which we know is the confirmed time frame of Dean Coral's murders. Police just didn't want to do anymore? I think there's a a solid hunch that Jack Olson puts forward in his book that Chief Short was just like, now we're not going any further with this. We already broke a record. I'm done. We're we're not going to make us look any worse than this. Mm-hmm. It just kept piling up and piling up to like, well, what are these cops doing the past three years? Yeah. Yeah. Because he ended up um, resigning shortly after all this because this brought in worldwide media. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he ended up resigning. But. But still, you had another 14 families looking for possible closure and you're like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Right. It's not fair to them. Wayne was very accurate with his description. So I would say there's a really good chance that there were two, at least two more bodies in that boat shed. And they are, just said, fuck it. Are they still there? Did this get bulldozed over? What's uh, what's the final outcome? Those two bodies, no, they have never been, mm, been okay. found. Wayne Henley was convicted and is serving his life sentence at the Mark W. Michael unit in Anderson County, Texas. He was eligible for parole starting in 1980, but all of those requests have been denied. He's up for parole again in October of 2025, but I think it's safe to say he's not going anywhere. He was convicted of murder in all of those bodies or? That's what I was going to say. If he's eligible for parole in seven years, where maybe those weren't murder convictions. What was he? So Wayne was charged with six counts of murder. He was handed down a life sentence, but there were some appeals that went on which got him eligible for parole. David Brooks was convicted and was serving a life sentence at the Terrell unit in Rochere in Texas. David caught COVID and as a result died in the hospital on May 28th, 2020. He was only charged with one of the murders. Okay. That was of uh, William Lawrence who went by Billy Lawrence with that note that we read. Yeah. He was convicted of murder with malice. Okay. Except a pretty quick parole there for uh, Wayne. Yeah, they, 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 they like to shut them down and just like kind of Man. destroy their hope, right? Yeah. Like, oh, we'll give you a we'll give you a chance for parole. Not <laughs> <laughs> denied again. <laughs> so, like we said just a minute ago, that there was some DNA stuff going on in 2011. For a long time, there was a handful of those bodies that went unidentified. Couldn't figure out who they were. So as of 2011, every victim has been identified. So all the boys that we talked about are all identified. Oh, that's good. And just to bring up the Hillgeist family one more time before we go on. After all this, when the news hit and stuff, they were incredibly composed talking to the media, especially Mrs. Hillgeist, because a lot of people are on the, uh, the thing of blaming Wayne Henley's mother. Like, how, how did you know your boy wasn't, you know, or how yeah. did you know that your boy was up to this kind of stuff? And Mrs. Hillegeist said that she had no ill will toward Wayne Henley's mother, that now that David Hillegeist, her son, was put to rest, Wayne Henley's mother has the bigger cross to bear now on her back. Wow. That Wayne is alive and is going to be in prison for the rest of his life. And I feel like maybe after, you know, all that time, there's a part of you that's just relieved that you have that closure yeah, and that, you know, and that, you know, you did everything you could as a parent and now you can say your goodbye, you know, come, come to peace with it and move on. You don't have to think about what happened anymore or where is he? Right. Is he still alive? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, we've never been in that situation. We can't speak to that. That's just me speculating, I guess. I don't know if a Meyer is the right word, but people I 
admire people that can be so composed and something like that. I feel like I would have a very bad temper in that type of a situation and say some stupid shit that maybe I didn't mean or should have said a different way. That would have been Absolutely. me when they were the hill hill guys were f- first going through it. Yeah. I I probably would have been arrested for doing some stupid shit. But I almost just feel like after this all this time and at this point maybe you just came to peace and you're just like I'm happy this is over. Like now this is somebody else's problem. I I know what happened to my child and and I'm ready to to move on. Almost like a weight is off your shoulders. Yeah. Kind of. Maybe. I I don't know. On part one, I said we'd get into some quotes from Mary West, Dean's mother, regarding her intense denial that Dean could have ever been responsible for all of this. We talked about we don't know much about Dean's childhood. So we'll just end the episode with the last thing that Mary said to the public, which was an open letter to Wayne Henley and David Brooks. And pretty much it seemed to just the whole community in general. Yeah. An open letter like an to everybody. Open letter saying my son has had nothing to do with this and how dare you my heart is heavy with sorrow not only for the loss of my son but also for the loss of all the boys and people whose lives were touched to david and wayne you may have the best defense lawyer the world can offer but your best defense is god you can lie plan and plant evidence to shift the blame to one who cannot defend himself but you surely know that your days on this earth are numbered whether it is behind bars or walking the streets. We are not concerned with your bodies, but we are concerned with your souls, and the truth will set you free. If you know where to find the bodies of these children, you also have a list of names. Please set the anxious parent's heart at ease and see how much better you feel. I'm not trying to solve the mystery, as I know nothing about the case. I only know that Dean loved both of you. He did things for you that you could not do for yourself, but you cut off the hand that fed you. Dean cannot help you now. He loaned you his truck to go on dates. He borrowed money from the bank to buy you a vet. Would he have rented the boat shack to bury bodies in and still loan it to friends or the family to store furniture in and help them move in? Would he ever stoop so low as to have these wild parties in a house belonging to his father whom he adored? He was not a sex maniac or a sadist. You might be able to convince the type of people who drag their children out to see bodies dug up out of the earth that this is true. But the people who know Dean, worked with him, will never believe these terrible accusations. I called him on the telephone Sunday night. I tried calling all day, and when I finally got him, he said he was dodging someone. He did not say who, and I thought perhaps it was someone he might have owed money to. I do not worry, because Dean has never given me cause to worry. The gas mask on the bed proves to me and the world that Dean was not going to shoot you. He only wanted to live and let live. The torture boards were also planted. Where are his clothes and the books I sent him on help for today and this thing called you by Ernest Holmes? I'm going to interrupt for one second. That gas mask on the bed, so that was evidence that was found there that night. Um, They were using it to smoke weed out of. So I don't know why that like proves anything to her about yeah. the wild party. Like she said, the wild parties weren't happening, weren't happening. So I don't know why she's even bringing this up. Cause she's delusional. Yeah, I don't know why she's bringing up the gas mask, but that's why the gas mask was there that night. Parents, pray for your children, and children, write your parents. What a for what a wonderful world this could be if we all turned to God for guidance. That the police department could solve all their problems if they too really and truly ask God for help. God does not protect us all from the law. He is the law, the law of love, life, happiness, prosperity, and success. We all know that's not right. Judge Dredd is the law. (laughs) That's what he's talking about. (laughs) I cannot help but wonder if the digging would have stopped if the record had not been broken. If the schools and society got off the sex kick and the school teachers only concentrated on the three R's, and parents and society taught their children that they are old enough to leave their earthly father. They should depend on their heavenly father for guidance. This world, in my opinion, would be a better place to live. Now that the digging is stopped, let's keep searching for souls with prayer and letters to the press. I'm sure the press will cooperate because they too could use a bit of God's help.
Father God, you are my life. You are all life. You make the darkness turn to light and turn swords into plowshares. You can lead nations out of trouble and have your all-seeing eye on the sparrow. There is no big and no little in your vast spiritual system. When you are for us, who can be against us? I pray for the law officers and the attorneys that they do some soul searching and ask for your divine guidance. I know that Dean's life was not shed in vain and know that our children who left this earth's plane have returned to you and are surrounded by your loving care. Grant the parents of all missing children the strength to wipe the bitterness of their hearts and know that you will not forsake us. Thank you, Father, and so it is. Dean Coral's mother, Mary West. And that's the story of Dean Coral. How about that? It's always good when Ian like sums it up and he shuts his laptop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Isn't that what it is, Dave? Yeah. How it goes? The rest of the story. I like that swords into plowshares. Mike, you turn your sword into plow wives. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Daily. Taking bookings. So I don't know. I mean, that. that. How old was this woman at this point? If we have any idea. Um, I don't remember their I age don't difference. Know. I'm just going to guess that she would be probably in her 60s. At that time? Yeah. Cause How he old was, was he? But he would have been 30, 32. Yeah. Maybe fifties or sixties. I would, I would guess she loves her boy. Clearly. And people in the book, you know, in the book, Jack Olson interviews people and stuff. And there are a lot of people that said that they viewed their relationship as weird. Just no one said anything out loud to them, but people would talk behind their backs. And then people said it was like this odd thing where sometimes it felt like Dean was the parent and she was his daughter. Like they had this very oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, they had this very weird back and forth type hmm. thing. I mean, she was an odd duck. I think we talked about it in the first episode, right? She went to a psychic who told her to move to Colorado or something. So. To close the candy shop and move. Yeah. She's like, fuck this, I'm out. And Dean's like, what, where's my job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't love it. Yeah. Well, it's not great. She pisses me off more probably than she should, given the, yeah. all the story we read and all these other people that should be pissing me off. And um, I put her her letter in there, even though it's long, because in part one, we don't really get a good look at his childhood at all. Yeah. So anything from his mother is all we have. So reading that letter and then what we covered in part one, we pretty much got everything that Mary West had to offer about Dean. So she's a bit of a kook, probably. So maybe there was some stuff in his childhood. What we know from her is fucking weird with the flying squirrels around his neck and stuff that she thought was that's right. cool. That's right. Every normal people would be like, well, why is that kid walking around with dead squirrels all over him? <laughs> yeah. That's very bizarre. Yeah. I still can't get that picture out of my head. Yeah. Just giant ass flying squirrels. And so Declan did a good thing for once. He did a good intern and uh, uh, some people sent us some articles actually that just last week, I think, an article popped up out of Lake Texas. Yeah. Is this the date? It says published one day ago. Is well, that accurate? By the time this episode comes out, it'll be oh, like a week ago. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is completely breaking kayfabe. Like, I'm just reading this for the first time yeah. when we took a break here. I have not seen this article. Um, so, actually, Wayne is being considered for compassionate release by a parole board. Usually, for according to this article from Houston, that's reserved for someone that has a terminal illness or something along those lines. Let you go die at home. Yeah. Stanton Dramala, who we said his son was killed. It was one of the last ones killed on that, on that mm -hmm. big stretch. Um, he's the only parent alive of any of those boys. Wow. Oh, wow. He's the only surviving one. So he's fighting that and saying, I don't give a fuck if he's got a terminal illness, he needs to die behind bars. Agree. Yeah. I'm with him. Yeah. Fuck that. Since when's Texas forgiving like that? <laughs> yeah, also. Mm. Like, why are they being so nice about that? But it, it didn't even say what terminal illness he might have. No, it didn't even say that for sure. Just the news article just said that that's usually what those are reserved for. Yeah. Interesting. I'm coming out against that happening. Yes. My personal opinion. I think we're three for three on that one. And I know I kind of, I might have come off sounding like I was sympathetic towards David Brooks. 
David Brooks is exactly where he belongs. He could have turned away at any time. This wasn't like the you mean death you, from COVID. like you brought up the cult thing and i think there's an aspect of of that you know where dean had a hold over him but didn't have a hold over him like that like this wasn't this long-term thing where he was under dean's control for years or something Mm -hmm. like that he was just too scared i think to tell anybody what happened and whether okay but you kept bringing people to him yeah you know an active participant yeah so it do I feel bad about his life, how he was brought up? Sure. But he's exactly where he belongs. Agree. Yeah. I, I don't feel much sympathy for him and getting what he got in the end and, you know, being sentenced to life, both of them. And I, I certainly don't support this, whatever that is, compassion release. Like no. if you're sentenced to life in prison. It's no. for a reason. Then this, you die in there. Like this isn't a robbery that escalated, got out of control. And so one person got shot or something. This is wholesale slaughter of this is yeah a bunch of kids. So no. And Wayne being a, a major part of multiple killings. Doing the killings. Doing the killings. Yeah. At he, least he did a killing five that I can think of yeah. that he five that I can think of that he physically helped choke like strangle the kid with his hands. Yeah. Like this guy should have been killed a long time ago. I mean, he shouldn't even be talking about compassionate release. He shouldn't even be alive. Yeah. No, the, if anything deserves a death penalty, it's, it's the story. Yeah. Like we don't, we don't need to live in a planet where these people exist. They don't need to exist. Yeah, I agree. Well, without taking us down a whole other road, <laughs> I would. I don't disagree honestly, with those statements. <laughs> I just don't think it's our right to take their life away. There's, I had a point I was going to say though before that, and I can't remember what the fuck it was. God damn it! Something about Dean Coral gives me that. Oh, that's what I was. That thinking. real kind of eye for an eye type feeling with him yeah, absolutely i'm like we should maybe so, we should put a couple glass tubes up your urethra and snap mm, them off let you sit there for three days yeah yeah a lot of yeah i feel like in a perfect world dean coral should have had an eye for an eye yes. for everything he did absolutely so when i was reading these uh the notes obviously i like usual i didn't know didn't know what was going to happen like halfway through part three notes the main character got killed and I was like, holy <laughs> fuck. I did not expect that. I probably that. surprised you, right? Yeah. I was like, like, as I'm reading the notes and he's talking about how like Wayne's backing up, I'm like, oh, fuck. It's going to be like a scuffle. Dean's going to kill him or something. <laughs> oh, Dean got fucking popped and that was it. I was like, oh, shit. This is different than most of the, the stories we cover. So it was a little surprise. It's like, did Ian write the main character out before the season finale? What's going on here? Right. <laughs> Look, I, I am against the government and our criminal justice system putting people to death. But in situations like this, I have no problem with Wayne shooting him and killing him. I wish it was a better victim that killed him, not someone who has killed other people. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, nice to hear that he splattered against the wall and his head was just sitting there against the wall. Still yeah, not gonna, he's just we're not going to post there. the photo, but he's laying there naked. He's got his farmer's tan going yeah i'll post it i don't care <laughs> you go we, just, we have a habit of not posting death photos on this, this oh do this. we well we i don't think we the last time i Victims. think we actually posted stuff was like the uh torso murders maybe uh, that's not my department i don't get involved in yeah. that <laughs> that's fine like we yeah. we didn't do like the oj stuff like just crime scene photos yeah. in general any crime scene photos i think period we try to be you know wary of what we post this I don't, is not a victim crime scene, though. This is It's a, not. It's, it's different. I don't know what to make of Wayne. I almost wonder if he was just trying to defend that Rhonda Williams girl, and that's the only reason he did anything to Dean, because he liked her. He did, you know. And that's when he finally was like, I'm standing up against you. Yeah. Sure seems like it, doesn't it? Yeah, like what changed other than her being there? Yeah. The first time a woman was present. Yeah. Oh, big tough guy now you talked about the mine hunter with him last week did they really interview him i could not find that what do you mean did any of the fbi profilers really go in there and have a conversation like that it seems like that part was made up for the show i don't know if any fbi profilers did but he talks nonstop. yeah 
you know he there's tons of on screen interviews with him mm. he's a big talk he's very like we said last week or maybe earlier it's like his time to shine kind yeah. of thing he kept that going huh yeah it's a sad disturbing disgusting story can't say i enjoyed it i think it the everything that we talked about what dean did and, and wayne and david brooks helped out with the whole sex ring thing from part one at the very end it just makes it's just a big reminder that the world is a really scary fucking place Boy, especially if sure. you're in texas <laughs> i'm kidding we've shed on texas a lot it's a fine state i haven't i like texas it's fun it's an okay state <laughs> Like, talk about a story that makes you want to just keep your kids super close to you and, like, not let them out of your sight. Yeah, this is... This uh, is the one, yeah. sure. This, like, this is the kind of shit. What do we think about his actual relationship to that sex ring? I don't think it's ever been proven. A lot of people no. think that. The fact that... I think the link were, to Gacy's probably... That would be too coincidental to not be there. I think the fact that there was that that bust where pictures of Dean's victims were found in that bust. Right. And then those guys were linked to that ring. I think that's enough for me to say that I think Dean was involved in that. I think so too. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know how he got hooked up with all that. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, it's just a reminder that the world is a scary place. And it is that there's communities of people that were actively trying to do you harm. And actively being involved in child pornography mm -hmm. and stuff, that there's a market for that. It's scary. Yeah. Well, this is the feel good hit of the summer, huh? We're all good. <laughs> We're all good. <laughs> I'm go drink some bleach now. Guys. Yeah, I think but so. But my COVID's already gone, so I don't need to. <laughs> 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 Any other final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, nah, I'm going to go home and smoke some weed and watch wrestling. <laughs> there you go. Something fun. Listen to some Art Bell maybe before bed. Yeah, I do that nightly now. I finished the Antichrist one. Any good Antichrist I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago. One. I got wow. one call that I think we might be able to use, and it's only like a minute long. It wasn't great. A lot of tomfoolery. <laughs> you don't say with the antichrist but i have like five other episodes downloaded that i'm going to go back and uh uh listen to and this is for halloween i start i'm preparing okay yeah for go for our, our ghost to ghost tribute because right. we're not gonna we, i think we've covered all the ghost to ghost episodes so we're i i like to do the open line ones okay because that's when you get like the ridiculous callers as mm -hmm. opposed to like when he's interviewing someone you know, those are a little longer, probably not the best. Again, this will probably be on Patreon this year. Last year we did a Sunday show because it was on a Sunday, yeah. Halloween. But anyways, yeah. So I always, I mean, even when I'm just listening to Art Bell throughout the year, I'll keep track if I hear a good call just to like, hey, maybe remember this one in October. Yeah. So that Antichrist one, it was fun show, but one good call that we can maybe use. Anyways. Good stuff. All right. We got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Cecilia Rask, McKenna Scheller, Michael Horton, Jordan Brenneman, Kevin Murray, Elizabeth Moffat, Mike's Old Fling, Jack N. Makakov. <laughs> <laughs> That's not Dave's. Rob T., Tori Jarrett, Paula R., Kayla Toole, Ivana Eat. My own ass. <laughs> That's Dave's. <laughs> Stacy W. Lord Bristow. Dave's autographed copy of the Bible. Megan Holly. Wilma Dicklift. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Wilma Dickfit. <laughs> Dave, you're the Ivana eat my own ass, right? Yeah, but I, I kind of, you know, I did Ivana E and then to my own ass. <laughs> That's true. I read it more. You know, the middle name wasn't eat. The middle name was E. Ivana E to my own ass. <laughs> I think it's Megan, Holly, not Megan. See, with these Megans and Megans, you don't know. Is and that a, a thing, Megan? Megan's a name. Yeah. It is? Oh, yeah. Oh, 
I think Con- Conrad's wife is Megan Flair. Megan? Rick Flair's daughter is Megan. Oh. Isn't there, who's Megan Anderson? That's, is that a UFC fighter? Oh, yeah, Megan Anderson. But she she's from Australia, so oh, uh, wow. she exists. But, yeah, Megan's a name. Okay. Well, um, Megan, I apologize if that's your name. It could be Megan. I, there's so many fucking ways to spell these names, yeah. though. Because I think Meg, Megan Anderson, the UFC fighter, is spelled like Megan. But it's pronounced it's very confusing yeah. times. Anyways, Megan or Megan Holly. Okay. Wilma Dickfit. Chelsea, a cut goddess Quinn. Josh Cunningham. Jennifer Hubbard. Jay Kumba. Roscoe Skur. Mike Clitoris. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomabod. Ian. I have nothing. No iTunes reviews tonight. God damn, people, step the fuck up. <laughs> the hell's going on out there? Lame. Ian's bored over here. He's got nothing to ever talk about. Dave, what do you got? I got one for Henwood14 from Australia and OK What's Up from Canada. Thank you for the very kind reviews. The international corner. Love the international people. Who doesn't? Um. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed the series. Uh, it was... Enter or uh, thorough information, not necessarily entertaining, but <laughs> hopefully it was entertaining to some degree. All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.